I'm going to preach a little differently this morning. I'm going to flip slides and preach from them. And I'm kind of a rookie at this, but I figure the Christian life's a bit of a lifelong journey. So why don't I learn along with you as I preach? So if I could get the first slide, please. I want to start by saying that this sermon began in April. April's a time in the school year this year where we did another round of high school uh, students through the class that we call Christian Ethics, or What Challenges Your Faith in a Complex World. And my presupposition of the course is that Jesus shows us what our ethics should be. Or Jesus shows us how to live life. Maybe I'm the one holding up the slides this morning. Jesus shows us how to live life. And in looking at him, we get to see what it looks like to follow God, what it looks like to love God in the world. Jesus shows us how to live life. And so when I got my, I got a new co-teacher this year, I always teach with another teacher in the classroom at Calgary Christian School where I work that Dorothy mentioned earlier. The new teacher said, well then, if that's the premise of the course, that Jesus shows us how to live life, then we have to look at the story of the transfiguration. The story of the transfiguration. So that's where we're going to start this morning. After six days, Jesus took with him. Are we able to get it, Phil? Are we able to get Oh, I see. I'm looking back there, Phil. And everybody else is looking up here. Awesome. Here we go. The Sermon on the Mount is the story where Jesus kind of retells the law, the Ten Commandments, and we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at that too this morning. Maybe I'm not going to be able to... Oh, I'm going too fast now. Sorry, guys. Here we go. So the story of the transfiguration is this is an exercise that I do with the students every year at school. They start the course. At the end of the course, they go through this exercise that says, I used to think, but now I think. And for this particular course, I told them that the key verses for looking at this was from the transfiguration, which I'm going to read in just a minute, that, that this is the climax of the story. While he was still speaking, Jesus in this case, a bright cloud covered him, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So when I'm talking to students about what do you used to think and now what do you think, this should be a key verse for you in that story. Second one, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7, that was on the previous slide, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I noticed this morning when I walked into your church, this is the first thing I noticed, this art on the wall here. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. That might be another way to say that verse, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are these who do my word and put it into practice, Jesus tells us. Next slide. This is what some of the students had said in the class. I'll figure this thing out eventually, I promise you all. I used to think that Jesus was like everyone else and followed the rules of hating on certain people in his time because that's how everyone thought in the day. These are grade 11, 10 and 11 students. But now I think that Jesus was an independent thinker 
And he went against what most people thought. He hung out with the women and he helped them and also the homeless and the troubled people. Grade 10 and 11, Calgary Christian School, used to think that Jesus was a hater. I don't know why I can't figure this out, Phil. Next slide. I used to think, to be honest, before this class, I had heard of the Sermon on the Mount, but I had never actually read into it. I guess you could say I used to think it didn't really matter that much since it hadn't been read a lot in Sunday school when I was younger or in school. This is maybe a message to all of us, right? This is something we want to be reading a little bit more, right? Now that we've read some of the verses of the Bible from the Sermon on the Mount, I think that I'm realizing how important and challenging what Jesus has to say in these verses. What Jesus has to say in these verses. Even things such as loving your neighbors is something that I think everyone struggles with. Raise your hand if you think loving your neighbors is sometimes hard. And I think that it's such a key verse in Christianity. Another one that challenged me is Matthew 17, 1-5, where Jesus tells us not to judge others, which I think is so fitting, because we live in a time where everyone is judging everyone. And I'm not going to lie, I judge people too. Isn't it beautiful honesty? Next slide. I used to think that it was extremely important to be successful in life, along with focusing on God. But now I think that it's more important to try to gain riches in heaven as the earth is nothing, and nothing on the earth will last forever, unlike God. You can't focus on both God and earthly possessions. So there's different views on what's going to happen to the earth in the end, right? Our particular tradition believes that this whole earth is going to be redeemed. That's part of the reason why we care for it, right? In my life, I often stressed about becoming successful, but now I realize that stress, all the stress and effort I put into obtaining money and becoming successful is leading me away from God. 15 and 16 years old. It's becoming the most important thing in my life. Now I know. After verse 24 from the Sermon on the Mount, it says that you can't serve both God and money. I now realize that money and success is only temporary, whereas God is forever. In light of this, I need to focus on God. From the mouths of not-quite-babes, right? Next slide. So I give you those little I used to think, but now I think, as a context for, this teacher tells me this is the most important story in his eyes that we should focus on, and then give you a little bit of a primer for what students are saying after we did focus on Jesus, primarily in the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus retelling, many think, Jesus' retelling of the law. It happens on a hillside, on a mountain, and he's retelling it in a way that invites other people, now that they've met him and they know who God is, this is what it looks like to live out those commandments. Make sense? Okay, now our text for today. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother, John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter, eh? he's always quick to speak, isn't he? While he was still speaking, though, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. 
With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. He's the most important voice. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and he touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah comes and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him but have done everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. And if we know the story of John the Baptist, we know that he was killed by Herod, his head served on a platter. A gory and horrific story. And that Peter, they believe, was crucified upside down for following who? Jesus. Transfiguration is this beautiful story of Jesus' light shining so bright that everyone falls on the ground, maybe kind of like Moses at the burning bush. This is the description of transfiguration from Harry Potter. It says, I, don't hope they, I do hope they start right away. Kids are on their way to school. There's so much to learn. I'm particularly interested in transfiguration, you know, turning something into something else, of course. It's supposed to be very difficult. Now raise your hand with me if you think that following Jesus is very difficult. It's hard, right? But Jesus didn't change from one thing into another thing. Many commentators believe that the story of the transfiguration is actually the disciples seeing Jesus as he always would, only they couldn't always see him like that because they couldn't handle it. It, He was too bright. What's that old song from my day? The future's so bright, I gotta wear shades. Right? When we look at Jesus, the future is so bright, we need shades. We can't look at him all the time. And so the disciples didn't get to see him that way all the time. But this time on the mountain, they got to see him. This is Jesus living from the inside out, which is the way that Jesus always lived. Oh, shoot. I'm not liking this clicker, Phil. Um, And that's what he's inviting us into, to get in relationship with him, and then out of that relationship with him, to live from the inside, from him in us, out We're not actually changing from one thing to another, even though it's hard. What's happening is we're we're being who we really are. I need to go back. Okay. The transfiguration is really the disciples seeing more of Jesus. He's the same. He hasn't changed from one thing into another, and he's not asking us to change from one thing into another. Let me show you what I mean from the text. Next slide. In Jesus' day, he was asked, what's the greatest commandment, right? Do we remember what it was? It's found here in Matthew. 
Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Can you imagine testing Jesus? I mean, maybe we do it all the time. We say, Jesus, if you're real, can you just heal my brother or my sister or my friend? Can you just take this virus away? We test Jesus in those ways. The religious leaders of the day are testing him because of what he's doing. Which is the greatest commandment in the law, they ask. And Jesus gives them this very simple yet hard answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor and yourself. All the law, Moses from the story of the transfiguration, and the prophets, Elijah from the story of the prophets, hang on these two commandments. Jesus, I believe, in the story of the transfiguration, is referencing Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, and he's simplifying it for people. Raise your hand if you would like Jesus to simplify life for you every once in a while. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to figure out what this means and how we live it in our lives. And so this is what Jesus does for us. It's a great gift, and it causes a lot of head scratching and wondering, what do I do? See if I can get the slides. Next one. This is referencing Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. This is the note from the Bible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then the next one. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbors as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus is reminding them that this is what he's saying is part of the larger story. This is my story. This is my song. This is the song that we're now all a part of. Next slide. But sometimes when you end up hearing these things, you're wondering, how is, Je is Jesus trying to abolish the law? Right? And Jesus says, no, in me, the law is fulfilled. When all neighbors are loved, the law is fulfilled. All neighbors loved. This is what it looks like to listen to Jesus, right? So when we feel these tensions, right? How do I follow the law and the prophets? What do I do in this situation with my friend who's not living the way I want them to live or doing what I want them to do? What does listening to Jesus mean? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love the person. That's what listening to Jesus means. He'll sort out the rest. We get to love. Next slide, please. So the religious leaders. Now this part always gets me, right? I'm a religious leader. I spent my three and a half years in seminary, paid my $80,000, and got to pass go. I'm the kind of person that would be testing Jesus. And I think it's something that we have to wrestle with as the Christian community. Are we testing Jesus when we don't want to love? 
do we know better than Jesus? Because for Jesus, it's hard. He had it the hardest, right? But it's simple. And He's inviting us to live His simple life. Let me show you what I mean. Next slide. There's another time when the religious leaders test Jesus. It's a famous story. It's one that's often used. It comes from John chapter 8. At dawn, He appeared again in the temple courts, Jesus, where all the people gathered around Him. They're always gathering around Him. And they sat down, and He sat down to teach them. Can you imagine God sitting down to teach you? I mean, I often think that God doesn't sit. God stands and God wags. No. God doesn't do that. God sits and He teaches you. Because He calls you what? His friend. His children. Right? The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, we're commanded to stone slush women. What do you say? They were using this question as a trap, a test. Can you imagine? They're testing him. They're, they paid their 80 grand. Now they're going to test Jesus. Does he know? Does God know what it looks like to fulfill the law and the prophets in order for a basis for accusing him? Next slide. But Jesus bent down and he started to write in the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let anyone who used without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. Then again, he stooped down in the ground at this those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Why did the older ones leave first? I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But I think you do get a little wiser with age. I'm 50. The jury's still out if I'm getting wiser with age. But some of you, I sure am getting a lot wiser with age. That was supposed to be funny. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> Till only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. Go now and leave your life of sin. Next slide. Who else doesn't get condemned in this story? The guys who paid their 80 grand. Did they deserve it? Yeah, if I was Jesus, I'd wipe those buggers out. I'd wipe them out. But he doesn't. He lets them walk away and figure it out. He lets us, he treats us like adults. Now, if you're a young person sitting here today and you're wondering, I'm not quite sure how all this works. Hopefully you're surrounded by a family and a community that can help you sort that out. Okay? But Jesus treats the people in this story like adults. He lets them walk away and figure it out. Right? So what does it look like to fulfill the law and the prophets? It looks like, it looks like living like Jesus and the way that He lived. Right? Law, love God and all your neighbors. And then last year in our church, I go to the lantern. And we were talking about vision in our church. 
And we talked about loving God and neighbor. And then all of a sudden, it gets a little quiet. And Marlene Wamsteeker, who some of you may know, says, you know what I find hard? Loving my enemies. Raise your hand if it's hard to love your enemies. And in our world today, we just make enemies. We just make them up. Right? It's hard. And the prophets, what do the prophets teach us? John the Baptist, you got two coats, give one away, right? Someone like me lives white, western, middle class, North America. I got lots of coats in my closet. This is hard. Am I giving enough? Am I doing enough for Jesus? Is he inviting me to do more as Jerry prayed about this morning, right? Give us eyes to see. And then you don't want to read the prophet Isaiah or any of those minor prophets if you're trying to follow Jesus because they're pointing out to us all the time that we're living on our, ho- our houses on the hill and we're being invited to lift up the oppressed, to tell everyone that they belong in Jesus' family on equal standing, right? God finds the sacrifices disgusting when people aren't seeking justice for the oppressed. So this morning, who's an oppressed person that we know, that you know, right? We're being invited by the voice of the fulfilled prophets to listen to those voices. And when we listen to those voices, we'll often hear Jesus. And it's hard. Because it starts to mess with my life, right? My things, my safety, my security. It's hard. Next slide, please. I used to think that the Ten Commandments were like this narrow thing, and I always had to fit myself in, and if I could just follow those commandments, then I'd qualify to be able to walk through that door and live a life with Christ. And I think it's important to try to follow those commandments. It's really important. But now I think a little bit differently when I look and listen to the stories of Jesus, right? Let's go back to our text for this morning. After six days, whenever you read that in the Bible, that's a clue for us to think about the creation story, right? Six days God worked, then he rested. Six days on the mountain, Moses comes down with the, uh, sorry, uh, six days is creation story. On the mountain, when Moses gets the Ten Commandments, we're also reminded to, to remember the creation story. This story is reminding us to remember the creation story. How do the commandments begin? Not thou shalt have no other gods before me. They begin with a great rescue story, right? I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Right? So when I try to fit myself into following these Ten Commandments, which is a good thing to do with God's Spirit, we should try to do that. Okay? Um, what, I'm trying to, what I'm doing is I'm not remembering that I was saved from something. I don't have to work my way into some narrow gate to, to have Jesus be close to me, right? The Bible stories are all full of that. Who did Jesus hang out with? Sinners and tax collectors. Me. Right? So I don't have to fit myself into that story. I'm already in that story. Does that make sense? 
Sometimes I don't. So we have this creation story. It's after six days. Matthew 17, this transfiguration story is reminding us of all this creation. And what are the Ten Commandments? These are things that we do as we've been rescued from slavery. God empowers us to live out these stories. We, we're recreated. And so I think that this story is meant to signal to us to remember the creation story. And what's the pinnacle of the creation story? God breathes His breath into humans. And when we read that story, this is my story, this is my song. You know what I think we're supposed to remember? That God came down from heaven, shaped a human being out of the dust, formed a face, a mouth, a body, and then put his mouth on your nose. And what did he do? You're created. Now you're created, and so is everybody else here in Calgary, in Alberta, in Canada, in the world. That's what you're supposed to remember when it says after six days. Now I grew up in church all my life. I don't know if anybody ever got down on their knees in the churches I was part of. But it's my hope and prayer this morning that when you imagine that God's shaping someone out of the ground, He's shaping you. This is my story. This is my song. Is meant that you're supposed to personally experience it. So when you hear, it's my prayer that we all feel that breath in us. And we all know that everybody has that breath in them, created in the image of God. Right? Now, many commentators, when they talk about the transfiguration story, there's this descent, right? They're on the mountain, then they come down the mountain, shh, don't tell anybody, and then they enter the world, and it ends with that cryptic part about John the Baptist being killed. This is the trajectory of Jesus' life. He's, because he's living the way he's living, he's killed. Jesus most definitely died for all of our sins. There's no question about that. But he's also most definitely killed for including the people that others didn't want included. Adulterous women, tax collectors, other sinners, all kinds of people that the religious folks didn't want him including. He gets killed for that. It's an example of the government and the church coming together to kill people, to kill a person, and his name is Jesus. This is what happens in the story. And we need to know that as we begin to try to live out this, this story in our lives. Right? We're promised that we will be persecuted, ridiculed, shamed for following Him. The question is, are we getting the shame because we're following Him? Or not? I think many people today feel that they're oppressed when they're actually doing unloving things in the world. So we have to wrestle with that as Christians, right? This is hard, like we've talked about before. Next slide, please. Jesus is living from the inside out. And even his disciples don't seem to get it, right? Right away, Peter says, should I build you three shelters, right? What's another thing Peter says? I'll never deny you. 
And then three times the rooster crows and Peter has denied Jesus, right? James and John, hey, can we sit at your right hand? We'd like to be most powerful, right? These people are just like us, each in our own way, each unique. But the story is telling us that if Peter can belong, if Peter can fumble about, then certainly I can fumble about. Certainly you can fumble about. Certainly we can all fumble about as we try to figure out what it means to listen to Jesus. Next slide, please. And because we're made in the image of God, have you ever thought about that? You have divinity inside you. You have divinity inside you. Most of my life, I don't think about myself having much divinity in here. I think about having a lot of failure, a lot of insecurity, a lot of other things, but divinity isn't one of them. We have divinity within us. And so does everyone else. Everyone. And because of that, we're invited to live from the inside out as well. Next slide, please. We don't transfigure. We become who we're created to be. It's already in there. Now, certainly, practically speaking, we can do things that help us grow in it. Okay, We can do things that help us love more, or we can do things that help us love less. Right? It can grow, but it's already there. You already have it. Everybody already has it. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And what's he saying? All the law and the prophets rest on these two things. Love God, love neighbor. Next slide. Jesus promises that he came to lead us to abundant life. And the way to abundant life is the way of love. Right? The transfigurations mean we see and we live the law and the prophets the way Jesus did by the power of his spirit. It's hard. We can't love everybody on our own. We all know that. We've already raised our hands, right? But with Jesus' help, we can, right? We love. We can follow the Ten Commandments with Jesus', with Jesus help. Thou shalt not murder. And Jesus goes on further to say, it's, you know, if you call someone a fool, you've murdered, right? Who of us has not done that? We've all done that. We've broken the commandment. That is clear. We all know that. Now the question is, how do we learn to love, love your neighbor as yourself? It also says love ourselves and love our neighbors. That's the question that we have, right? Religious leaders are always trying to trap Jesus, right? And if you look at those stories, it's all about love. They want to put limits on love. We can't love an adulterous person, can we? Yes, you can. We can't love a tax collector, can we? Yes, we can, with God's help. There's no restrictions on it. And this is where it gets real personal for all of us, right? Where are the places in our lives that we're acting like Pharisees and religious leaders? We're trying to put limits on love. 
Where are the places in our lives where we're adulterers or whatever our particular bouquet of sins happens to be, right? And what is Jesus, what does listening to Jesus say to you about those things? He lets you be an adult. You get to be sorry. You get to repent and turn around and then live in the way of love, right? We get to do that. Next slide, please. So now I think that instead of it being this narrow way that I have to kind of shine myself up to be able to follow Jesus, now I think that it's totally different. The way of Jesus actually opens me up to a whole new way of living and loving, right? So what do we do? When we feel like fulfilling the law and the prophets, following Jesus goes against religion. What do we do? Next slide. We start from Jesus, who's now the one that illuminates all the Old Testament, all the law, and all the prophets. We know that Jesus is about love and about justice. Next slide. We know that his love includes sinners, tax collectors, even our enemies. Who's your worst enemy? Get them in your mind. Okay, next slide. We know that he includes women and religious leaders. He didn't stone any of them, okay? He knows that he includes women, right? The women at the well. What happens after she meets Jesus? She goes back to her village. She tells everybody, I met a man who knows everything about me, and he still loves me. It gets bigger and better with Jesus, right? She gets to be an adult too. Next one, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Little guy caught up in a tree, gives back four times what he stole. This is what happens when you enter into Jesus' bigger and better way of love. This is what happens. Next one, please. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil about you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, John the Baptist, who were before you. Me, the way they persecuted me. So our question is, are we getting persecuted for the things that Jesus got persecuted for? This is hard. Because sometimes the church tells us that we should persecute the oppressed. Right? I love the church, and so does Jesus. And so Jesus might be leaning, dealing down in the sand to us today, and he's pointing out some things to us that don't feel so good. But what does he do? He lets us walk away, hear his story, listen to him, and then respond. And that's what he's doing this morning. He's inviting us to love the people that he loved. Next slide. I used to think, well, I'd never really read the Sermon on the Mount, but I guess you could say I used to think it didn't really matter that much since it hadn't been read in Sunday school. Now I think that some of the verses in the Bible from the Sermon on the Mount, I think that I'm realizing how important and challenging it is what Jesus has to say in these verses. Even things such as loving your neighbors is something that everyone struggles with. Don't we all? Next slide. 
Now I think that Jesus was an independent thinker and he went against what most people thought. He hung out with the women and he helped them and the homeless and also the troubled. Next slide. So what does it look like for us today? Who's the oppressed? Who's the persecuted? Who are the people who had their children taken from them and placed in residential schools and they never brought it and they never made it home? These are the people that Jesus is inviting us to love. Along with everybody else on this list. And now in COVID, I don't know about you, but I think the world is screaming for all kinds of people who are oppressed to be noticed and that we would pay attention. And in that, I hear Jesus saying, listen to me. And we get to. We can't change the past, but we can certainly listen to people's stories, love them as Jesus did, and then change the way we act in the future. Right? We can do that. Next slide. Next slide. So what do we do when fulfilling the law and the prophets following Jesus goes against religion? We recognize that that means that Jesus is hanging with us too. That's terrible typing, sorry. We recognize that Jesus, that means that Jesus is hanging with us too, right? All the way from the adulterous woman to the religious leaders, he didn't condemn any of them. Next slide. And he's opening us up to listening to him to live and to love more like he does by the power of his spirit. We can't do it without him. We don't stand a chance without him. But with his help, we can love God, neighbor, ourselves, and all of creation. One more, please, Phil. So I changed my original thesis for the course that had that teacher point me to the transfiguration. To Jesus shows us how to love all people by the power of the Spirit. Let's pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, Thanks for who you are today. Thanks for this brilliant story of the transfiguration that reminds us all what we want to do. And that's to be faithful in following you. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that for all of us, you would increase a hunger to get more into your word and to really look at the stories of, about you and who you are and who you included and who you loved. And then when we do that, Lord, if there's points where we feel like we've fallen short, that you would help us to trust you and to ask you for help. Because Lord Jesus, we can't fix all the wrongs of the past. We can't fix the ones that happened 10 minutes before we came into church this morning. But what we can do is ask for your forgiveness and ask you to help us be different people by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen.